1: back to another episode of the podcast to be named later i am chris willis and i'm again joined by my co-host Stephen talbert Stephen, i appreciate you flying solo last week it's good to be back with you uh how are you doing tonight
2: what's up chris it's good to have you back yeah we uh we went solo last week and uh let's just say i'm I'm glad to have another human to talk to because that's that's not easy to do so it's good to be back on with you and kind of having a normal episode
1: Yeah. I I hate it. I missed, um, you know, real life intervenes sometimes though. And, uh, but, uh, it's good that it's good that you, the show must be on, you know, you took care of things. So I I do appreciate that, but we've, we've had a big week from major league baseball. It's not been, um, not been very eventful for the Atlanta Braves, but the, the winter meetings, uh, came and went in San Diego. They wrapped up today. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday evening. Uh, the Rule five draft finished up a, a few hours ago and, uh, um, but it was a pretty, a pretty impressive week for a lot of teams. A lot of money flying around. Some unreal contracts. Um, you know, what you? Uh, I mean, what you? It, what was the biggest surprise? I think that uh, that that surprised you this week. Ooh,
2: biggest surprise. Um, DeGrom getting five years. Definitely, I uh, my that caught my attention i didn't think he would get five i thought he would maybe do three three or four at the most so you know the rangers went big good for them um they're trying to win or at least trying to be better and you know i don't know that they'll be you know all the way to a contending team but you know we never we never insult teams that are trying to get better so good for them um other than that you know it's all I think maybe the biggest surprise if you look at overall is just how much money is being spent on guys in general. I think it's been a, a very heavy players market after, you know, a few years, you know, five or so years of it being a a pretty dry market. And to the point where, you know, the, the players association had to get involved and there was a talk of collusion and, you know, the owner's not spending and it feels like, it all got made up for in, in this one off season. Cause it feels like every contract we see is at or above what was expected in terms of years and dollars. And so, you know, if I had to put one overarching, you know, surprise, it would just be how much money I think. Passan tweeted earlier that it, it, that teams had already spent $2 billion in the off season. And we're, it's just now December, whatever it is, December 7th or December 8th. So, Um, it is very much a player's market. It is, you know, players are getting what they want and probably a little more just because teams are ready to spend. And so I, I, the DeGrom getting five was surprising, but just in general, how much money is being spent and how many years are being handed out is, is definitely what caught my eye. Um, and I, I know you wanted to talk about this, so I'm going to let you talk about this a little bit, but the Taiwan Walker deal probably is the principal example of a guy who, um, you know, what we were expecting to get. And then you look at the number and he gets, it's like 30, 40 million more than what we thought. But I'll let you jump in on the, on the Taiwan Walker. Yeah. uh, Yeah. We'll,
1: we'll, we'll get to them in just a second. Um, I wanted to say, I mean, I I don't know why this is a surprise to me, but uh, um, I'll be honest to you. When the meeting started, I thought Aaron judge is going back to the Yankees because of course he was, you know, and then, I tell you, there was a point Tuesday where even even with the bogus John Heyman tweet, um, that I really did think that he might go to the Giants. That I thought the Giants might come in there, and um, you know, it sounds like the Yankees came back late, um, late in the process, and and got him on a nine-year, three hundred sixty million dollar deal. But I had done, I had done, um, done started thinking about what the the Fallout was going to be if Judge went to the Giants, you know, who the Yankees pivot for to, and you know, because I think there's just a lot of players out there the Carlos Correa's, uh, maybe even the Xander Bogarts, and and some of these people that are just waiting, we're waiting for Judge to sign. And you know, yeah. and unfortunately, he didn't sign till Wednesday, the last day of the winter meetings, or you know, things might have really gotten crazy, yeah. Um, but you know, you mentioned it, uh, the NL East was uh, uh pretty active, two teams were. Um, you know, I think it's, a, it's important to remember this and I, I tweeted this out and got a little bit of pushback, um, which was a theme this week, but, uh, you know, the Braves are the team that everybody's chasing and, um, uh, you know, it wasn't surprising to see the Mets and the Phillies be aggressive. Um, you know, the Mets, I think the Mets still have, uh, Mets are in an interesting spot. You know, they lost to Grom to the Rangers. They came right back, signed Justin Verlander. Two years, 86 million. With a, I think it's got a vesting option for a third season. Um, I, th- I, I like that move for New York, and uh, it's not that I think you know, I think you're splitting hairs when you start comparing Verlander to DeGrom, but I think there's a very strong chance that Verlander makes more starts than DeGrom does. So, I you know, I kind of like that move for New York, I think that made them better. Um, they added Jose Quintana today, two years, 26 million. And traded for uh, Brooks Raley, uh, reliever from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, but you know they've still got a lot of work to do. It seems like um, you know Brandon Nimmo's still a free agent. Uh, there's some there's some r- real buzz out there that he's going to get over 100 million, which is you know I think and I think that the way the the money's been flying this week, I think that backs it up. Um, you know, so, but, and I think the interesting thing about the Mets is they're pushing 300 million on that payroll already. Now, I don't think it matters that much to Steve Cohen, but I mean, they're getting into the, that 90% tax bracket. Um, so, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what else they do this off season because I still, th- I still think they got some work to do.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, they lost to Grom and everybody was you know, not laughing at the Mets because, you know, DeGrom got a massive, massive contract and it, it was tough to really fault anybody for not matching that deal. But, you know, I give credit to the Mets, man. They immediately went out and signed probably the next best option. And like you said, you know, Verlander, it would not surprise anybody if Verlander was better than DeGrom next year, you know, even if it's just because he's pitched, he pitches more innings. So, you know, I, I really like that, that move for, New York. Listen, they're paying a ton of money for Verlander, but their owners got it. I mean, he's not struggling for for cash. So if if you've got it, you want to spend it, then go for it. And I like the Katana move. You know, I thought that was a solid move. It's not a splashy move and it kind of shows a little bit of discipline. You know, I I really thought they might I really thought for a minute there they might go get like Verlander and Rodon to like overcompensate for losing to Grom, but you know, I think they showed some restraint. Obviously, Chris Bassett is still out there. Um, you mentioned Nemo, who's still out there. Obviously, they signed uh, Edwin Diaz even before free or, yeah, before free just even started. Mm-hmm. So they got one of their big chips out of the way early. But, yeah, overall, I, I actually kind of like what the Mets are doing. I like what the Mets are doing more than I like what the Phillies are doing. I guess I would put it that way. Um, I think the Braves and the Mets are still the class of the East, even though the Phillies kind of went on that run, you know, in, in October. You know, the, the Braves and the Mets were a step above the Phillies um, for the regular season. And I, as it stands right now, if I had to handicap it right now, I would call it the exact same way. I think the, the Braves and the Mets are still better. Uh, but the Phillies made their moves too. You know, Trey Turner is no joke. Um, you know, 11 years is a lot of years for a guy who's already 29. Um, but, you know, again, if they've got an owner who doesn't really care about that stuff, he gave Bryce Harper. I think Bryce Harper's deal is like 13 years or something like that. So they're, they're going to be paying both those guys when they're in their forties. Um, but again, they, they don't really care about that. They, they care about winning now and they think they've got a win now team. So they win guy got Trey Turner. And then obviously the, the Taiwan Walker deal, which is, you know, I mean, objectively it's a pretty gross overpay. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what they're doing right now. They're just kind of, you know, money is their biggest advantage. And so that's what they're flaunting. They're, they're just, you know, if they want a guy, they overpay for him, you know, either in years or dollars. And they've kind of turned it into a binary thing. You know, either we get him or we don't. And if we want to get him, then we'll overpay for him. And so that's kind of what they're doing. And, hey, you know, if that's what you want to do, it's probably going to look rough on the back end. But they're obviously not that worried about that. Uh, the NL is I agree with you. I think I think some people have lost the sight of the fact that, A, the Braves are the team to, to beat and the team that's being chased. B, I think people are, probably have lost a little bit of the fact that, you know, this team, this Braves team is came into the offseason, you know, 90% already put together. You know, the, the Mets are acting the way the Mets are acting because they lost half their team to free agency. They, ha- they literally had to hit the ground running to, to physically build their team back up. Uh, the, that, that's not the Braves. The Braves have, you know, a couple of holes here and there that they need to fill and because of that they didn't have to just immediately start out the you know the offseason just you know signing one deal after the other they can wait Um, I do think they'll do stuff I don't think this is a case where the Braves are just happy with the roster Alex even said that in, in his interview one of his interviews at the winter meetings he said we can get better at basically every position and we have the resources to do it they talked about not the tax not really being a a big deterrent you know they've talked talked about players that would easily take them over the tax so i think the braves will do stuff i don't think this is a case where they're just happy and and will take this team into spring training but you know i get fans fans who get very antsy and frustrated when you see half the league signing all these big players the braves haven't done anything i get the frustration but your point is correct those teams are chasing the braves they had more holes to fill they had more steps you know, more positions they had to sign. So they had to start earlier and, and and push harder than the Braves have to. And and quite honestly, it's an it's an envious position the Braves are in. Because that means they don't have to overreach, they don't have to overpay. They could be selective. And I do think they'll get something done here, you know, obviously before spring training.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that really surprised me about the Phillies, not so much that they got Trey Turner, um, because I kind of expected that. Um In fact, I kind of expected them to have the pick of of their shortstops. I figured they would throw a lot of money around to to either Turner or Correa. Um, But I thought one of one of the interesting things that come out of that report was that the Padres offered Turner a a significant amount more than the 300 million that the Phillies gave him. Um, There was a report out there that would have made him the highest paid shortstop, which means he would have got more than uh, the 341 million that uh, Francisco Lindor. Got now, I know the tax tax rates in California is a little bit different. Um, but you know, this, this again, I think it, it um, adds credence to those rumors that Trey Turner did not want to go to California originally. Yeah. I think he enjoyed his time with the Dodgers, but still, you know, first chance he got to get back out east, um, you know, he took it and uh, he left some apparently reportedly left some money on the table. The Taiwan Walker deal, man, I, I was dunking all over this last night on Twitter and, um, I'm, I'm still, I'm still blown away by it. And, and I've got a question. I mean, here, here's my, here, if I'm two things about this, number one, he didn't get a qualifying offer. Everybody kept, uh, me that again last night, but you know why he didn't get a qualifying offer from the Mets? Because he probably would have t- taken it. You know I mean? That's my, that's my thinking. that's why New York didn't give him a qualifying offer. Um, for him to get four years say to me and uh, good on him that's a great job. I mean I like I like some of the things that he's done over the last few years. I mean he's throwing that splitter more uh, but he's going from one of the best pitching pitcher parks in New York to one of the worst at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. Um, I don't know I mean I I, I had that one thing I wanted to ask you tonight. I mean if you had your choice of Tywin Walker or Jose Quintana who who, who would you have taken?
2: Oh, that's what I was saying. That Jose Quintana deal. I think they got him for like two twenty six,
1: two years twenty six million. Yes.
2: Sir. Yeah, I think that's that's tremendous value. Quintana was quietly, it was very quiet, but he was quietly really, really good for the Cardinals last year, and I, that's why I was, t- you know, when they signed that, I was really impressed with that move because it it. You know, it shows a little bit of discipline to you know go out. It's not easy to find value in this market when when players are getting so much money and and usually so much more than you know what they were probably objectively valued at. But I thought the Mets did a really good job. I, mean, I would definitely take if you gave me the option of four years and seventy-two million of taiwan Walker or two years and 26 of of quintana i would take quintana all day um so um,
1: you know but i mean the other interesting part about this was there was a report this week that chris bassett was looking for a four-year deal and yeah. i remember laughing about it i dropped it in our slack group and i'm like yeah right and then walker goes out and get four years i mean if i was going to give four years to one of those two pitchers i think i would have went with bassett Now maybe there's a piece of this that i'm missing i don't know but uh you know, I, that 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 was the most eye ra- um, eyebrow-raising deal that I saw this weekend was uh, Taiwan Walker getting four years. Um, another guy that came off the board uh, was somebody you and I talked about two weeks ago, uh, Mitch Haniger, three years, $43.5 million to the Giants. I think there's some strange structure into this deal. There's a signing bonus. Uh, I think he's got a re- actually a really low um, salary for next year. I think you pointed that out. Uh, but that's a bra- that's an outfielder that you know we kinda had we thought might be a possibility for the Braves. There was rumored interest there. Um he comes off the board, goes to the Giants. Uh it looked like they were trying to pair him and judge, actually. Uh, you know, so which is which is interesting to kind of tell you about how much money that the Giants are, are planning to throw around this uh this off season. So um but what did you think about Hanniger to the Giants?
2: So let me ask you a question. All right. So Hanniger signed for f- Three years and forty-three million, I think total. It's got a weird structure to it, like you said. He's got a signing bonus, and it's a it's a really low salary this year, and it jumps up. But total, it's four years and like forty-three million, which is basically fourteen million dollars a year. So, at fourteen million dollars a year in this market, would you have would you have been okay at the Braves, handed Hanager that exact contract? How would you have reacted if the, if the wire came out? Brave signed Mitch Haniger to a three year, forty three million dollar deal. How does what's your first reaction to that?
1: I think I would have been all right with it because that's about what I was expecting him to get. I think there yeah. were some people that had a little bit less, you know, maybe a, thought he might take a one or two year. But I was kind of thinking that three years about about 14 million you know i thought that was about that was pretty fair for him now if they'd done that obviously it would have meant that they're they're uh shifting gears at shortstop um you know they probably would have had to uh, subtracted a couple of, uh maybe a guy here or there to kind of fill out uh fill out the roster but i don't think i'd have been too upset about it i do think it's interesting you know he's going to uh, well, he he's played in a. I think you pointed this out. He's he played in Seattle, which is not a great hitters park, and he's going to an even worse one <laughs> in San Francisco. So, you know that. But you know, again, he's he spent his whole career on the on the West Coast. So, you know, it kind of makes sense. And uh, you know, I, the Giants have been aggressive, and, uh, and you know, I kind of like that signing for them. Um, you know, I think he'll he'll do well in that lineup.
2: Well, that's what I was asking because I I really like that signing for the Giants. Now it's not a great ballpark fit, you know. Hanneker's not known for his defense, obviously, and and he's now moving to a huge outfield, and I, I don't know how much outfield he's going to play. I'm assuming he's going to play a little bit, um, just because the Giants don't have a ton of outfielders. But that's a you know, that's not a great fit in terms of defense, and then obviously uh, offensively, it's a it's a one of the best pitchers, maybe the best pitchers ballpark in baseball. So, but I was really into Haniger as an option for the Braves. I mean, you know, last year, 2021, his, you know, it was a full season for him. He, he stayed healthy the whole year, and he hit 39 homers and had a 122 WRC plus. And you know, I was just, I guess, I was dreaming a little bit on what a healthy Mitch Haniger could look like in the Braves lineup, especially the fact that he's right-handed and and you know that that kind of fits with what the roster needs are right now. And so I. I was a little bummed. That's probably the one that bummed me the most because I, I just felt like that was, especially in this market, that was an extremely reasonable contract. And he, you never know, you know, he might've been, you know, he might've told teams I only want to play in the West coast. You know, we don't ever know that stuff unless it's Trey Turner who made it very public. But, um, you know, some guys just have, especially if they've been out there for a long time, like Haniger has, you know, his family's probably out there. He's got, I don't know if he's got kids or not, but he, you know, he might have, wife and kids that are already kind of set up out on the West coast. And he might've told teams I'm only going to sign with a West coast team. So maybe it wasn't ever an option, but that, that was one that I was kind of, I would have been pretty excited if the Braves had signed that because that means they could have, you know, gone a little smaller at shortstop, maybe more defensive and and been fine on in the lineup. But yeah, I thought that was a good deal for the giants. I, I, that was one of my favorite ones actually.
1: Another team that uh, was pretty active this weekend was uh, the Cubs. And I'll admit, I haven't been, I haven't followed the Cubs real, uh, real close since they, they tore that roster down. And I know they signed Marcus Stroman last year, but, you know, I'm still, I still think there are good ways from contention, but they, they signed Jameson Tyne, who was a uh, four years, $68 million. Tyne was a pretty hot name on the, on the market. I don't, you know, I, I think he, he fit a, He fit in a couple of different roles for the Yankees, Uh, but I think a lot of teams were looking at him as a starter. And, um, you know, I thought he was, it was interesting that he chose the Cubs. Cody Bellinger, former Dodger, one year, 17 and a half million deal. I think there is a weird structure to that one, too, that there's actually a mutual option that's got a high uh, buyout on that on Bellinger's deal. There's no way that mutual option, they'll ever uh, opt in. If Bellinger has a good year, then he'll opt out of that and hit free agency again next year. And if he has a bad year, the Cubs will cut bait as well. So, uh, But the reason I wanted to talk about the Cubs was because they're one of the teams um, that has pretty strong interest in Dansby Swanson. In fact, uh, Ken Rosenthal had a report today for The Athletic that um, the Cubs feel like that Swanson is their most real, realistic option. Now, there's a lot of things here. Uh, Dansby's soon-to-be wife plays uh, 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 professional soccer in Chicago, um, it's not that far from Atlanta. It is, uh, you know, up north. But I mean, travel there is back and forth from his hometowns. Not wouldn't be um, a great uh, uh, too bad. And then at the same time, I think that um, uh, the Cubs might be a team that just throws more money at him than anybody else. So I do think it's worth uh, it's worth uh, looking. Now, my question would be, how important is winning in all this? Because I just don't think the Cubs are going to be ready to contend this year. It may be coming sooner than than we think. Um, but still, you know, you're leaving you would be leaving a, a team in Atlanta that's pretty set up for the future to go to a team that you hope is going to climb back into contention. But what do you what do you think about the Cubs as a potential suitor for Dansby Swans?
2: Yeah, I think Dansby's going to be a Cub before this offseason is over. Unless he just decides to leave a ton of money on the table. I think the Cubs will have a better offer than the Braves for Dansby. Let me put it that way. You know, the Cubs kind of famously had this run of of, you know, they had the World Series in 2016. They had all these position players come up through, and they couldn't extend any of them, which was wild. I still, I would still love to hear a, you know, a documentary, a 30 for 30 on exactly what happened there, because it looked like the Cubs were going to be set up for a kind of a dynasty, and and really could not lock up a single one of. I mean. They lost Bryant. They lost Baez. They lost Rizzo. I mean, they lost uh, Schwarber. They just lost Wilson Contreras to the Cardinals. He just signed with the Cardinals, I think, today. Um, and so they, you know, they had all they, they traded Soler. Um, You know, they had all these guys come up through their system at the same time, and, and couldn't lock it, any of them up. And so they they basically had to they, they were forced into a rebuild because all these guys ended just ended up leaving. Um, and so I do think they're now to the point where they're ready to spend money again. Uh, and they, they did it last year with Stroman. They've reportedly been very aggressive. There was a report, I think, yesterday or the day before where they might actually try to sign two of the shortstops. I don't know if you saw that. They were talking about potentially signing uh, Xander and Dansby, to one to play short, one to play second, kind of like what the Rangers did last year. Um, so I, I think they're going to be very aggressive. I think they do want to get back to contention I think they see that the NL Central is very, very bad, very, very weak. And if you do put up a, you know, if you can put up some talent or if you can add some talent to your team, you can put up a decent year in that division. So, and I, like you said, I think they're, they're going to be the, you know, if some team goes up and and just says, you know, yeah, we probably value them at 140 million, but we're going to give them 150 or 160. That's what I see the Cubs doing with Dansby. I mean, I could absolutely see them doing like 6 one sixty in the Braves, just not being anywhere close to that in terms of their final offer. And, you know, again, Dansby could leave money on the table if you wanted to. I, I don't ever expect players to do that. I don't think players really do that as much as fans think they do, or I don't think players should do that as much as fans think they should. Um, so, yeah, at this point, I'm actually, I would, if I had to wager it, I would say the the Cubs are a more likely landing spot for Dansby than the Braves are, and you know that leads into a whole another series of questions. But yeah, the Cubs are, I think, the favorite to sign him at this point.
1: Yeah, and I mean you, that's a good point about the NL Central. Um, but you know, I still I still look at the Chicago roster, even if, if if they do add Swanson, you know, and to me they they're not as good as the Cardinals. No, nope. um, you know, but I mean, with the expanded postseason, you know, we've seen it; be it would be a it would be a little bit of a surprise if the if two teams came out of the central but you you can see where they they you, you could they could be thinking that if they retool their roster just a little bit that they can jump back into contention pretty good because the centrals the central's been bad um you know we're not we're not real sure what's happening with Milwaukee at this point uh but that's still a good team and I I would still rate the Cubs behind both the Cardinals and the Brewers at this point just because of the Brewers starting rotation but Um, it will be interesting to see. We'll talk a little bit more about Dan's here in a minute, but, uh, first let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's hit a break here for a word from our sponsors.
0: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the property podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now we've got a special three part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prof G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prof G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, shifting gears back to the, to the Braves.
1: Um, you know, coming out of the winter meetings, I, I, I know Alex Anthopoulos told, uh, I believe it was David O'Brien today, that you know, they thought the meetings were productive for him. Obviously, you know all that stuff's behind the scenes; it's not front facing. I can see why fans get antsy this time of the year, but it's not something that it's not something that's new. I mean, um, if I don't remember, I don't remember the Braves making a deal at the at the winter meetings in in quite a while. Honestly, I mean, uh, Alex's mo uh, was actually to hit him in November. You know, some big signings, the Josh Donaldson deal uh, comes to mind. And um, you know, and then kind of do um, you know behind the scenes stuff at the winter meetings. I think they were busy. I think they were probably on the phone and engaged with a lot of people. But you know, it's not it's not uh it's not front facing. It's not making headlines, and that can make your fan base uh, a little antsy. But you know, it's important to point out. I mean, the Braves weren't the only team that uh, didn't do anything this weekend. And you know, I would say of the teams that didn't do anything. Atlanta's returning roster is probably better than theirs. Um, you know, I mean, i was sitting here today. I was thinking, you know, man, what a what a uh, tough tough week for the Dodgers who uh, lost, uh, watched Trey, Trey Turner walk away, um, and then it looked like they were going to get Justin Verlander and the Mets swooped in after Jacob Degrom left. So, um, I mean, are you surprised that nothing came out of the out of Atlanta? Uh, no news really this week. Um, did that surprise you at all?
2: You know, Alex has talked before about the fact that he doesn't really like the winter meetings. I don't know if you remember that. I think it was a couple of years ago, but Alex was asked in an interview, you know, if he enjoys it and he, he kind of you know, he kind of went the other way and said it, it's not actually conducive to it's not conducive to his style in terms of, you know, having all your your normal resources available. You kind of have to take your whole show on the road and he's not as comfortable making deals in that environment as other teams are. So you know, I guess it's not a shocker that the Braves didn't do anything at the winter meetings. Um, and again, like you said, of all the teams that are making big moves, no team is as well set up already as the Braves are. I mean, the Braves have 90% of their roster in place and so there's only a handful of moves that you're gonna make anyways. And so I I, I was thinking today, you know, when you only have a handful of moves, how you make them and when you make them and what order you make them in matters more because obviously each move represents a higher percentage of your overall winter versus if you have to make 10 moves, then you just got to start making moves. I mean, you just got to start doing stuff because you got so much to get to. When you don't have a lot to get to, you know, you do, I think being more deliberate is the way to go. And so I was disappointed that they didn't, you know, I was hoping that they would, either you know settle shortstop or settle left field or settle something this week just because I knew a lot of moves would happen and a lot of moves did happen. Ton of money got spent, a bunch of not just you know mid-level free agents, but a lot of top I mean, you know, Judge signed, DeGrom signed, Verlander signed, um, you know, Haniger signed. There was there was a decent amount of big names that are off the board. And and so that's the thing you worry about if you're a fan is like you know, how many more impact players are left if you wait too much longer. You know, if Dansby signs with the Cubs or if Xander signs with the Red Sox and you know Nemo signs with the Rangers or something. You know, you look at the you look at what's left and you're like, okay, well there's not really any kind of impact player on the market. So that's that's probably why Braves fans are a little antsy is, is they see these big names come kind of off the board and You know, if you were hoping for an impact player for the Braves to add, then, you know, you start trying to figure out where exactly that's going to happen. But, you know, I I would I would definitely be more inclined to say that Alex is just being deliberate, and I think he knows he's got some things that he could probably sign off on today if he wanted to. That's kind of how he operates. He he collects information and. You know, if he if he feels like he needs to make a move, he will. But if he feels like he's got multiple moves that he could make, then he, you know, he, he doesn't rush them. And that can be frustrating for a fan. You know, we've sat through really long winters before. I mean, you remember last year, obviously the lockout happened, but the Braves really didn't do much before the lockout either. Uh, you know, a ton of teams did a bunch of big stuff, and the Braves really didn't do anything. And so we had to kind of do the same thing last year and didn't get any kind of move or any kind of movement until – march until the lockout was lifted so Braves fans should be used to this a little bit but i wouldn't worry too much alex has earned the benefit of the doubt and then some hopefully for most fans so uh, but they definitely need to do some stuff it, they don't need to just go to spring training with this roster i think they there's some clear areas of to improve or upgrade and, and i'm and i'm hoping and i do think before the uh, the winter's over they'll they'll do that
1: yeah i agree and um you know, and and you mentioned you it it is like it's kind of the backdrop to the whole pivot from Freddie Freeman to Matt Olson last year, and the reason Alex on top uh, Alex gave was, you know, they had a lot of stuff they had to do. They uh, they still had uh, still had moves to make. You know, I don't feel like I mean the the situation with Dansby is 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 something, and I mean the shortstop to me is is the most pressing issue because it's so important le- defensively. I know the production in left field, uh, when you look at Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna, was sub-replacement level last year. Um, but still, you've got to get that shortstop position right, uh, especially with these shift rules coming back in. I just think that's that's critically important. And um, But you do have a few options there, uh, you know, internal options, and then probably some external too. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they get it. Um, you know, I think the important thing, you know, and I've seen a couple of these articles from today. It was like three things that the Braves need to do after the Mets got Justin Verlander, or this Braves need to do have to pivot because the Phillies got Trey Turner. Braves aren't going to be reactionary. Alex, he said that point blank um, since he's been here. You know, he's not looking at what the other teams in the divisions are doing. And, um, you know, and he shouldn't, um, because if you start chasing that, you're going to make, you're going to make rash decisions, you're going to make bad decisions, you're going to end up with a Marcelo Zuna contract, um, you know, so I think that's, you know, I think that's a good thing, even though it does make for a kind of a boring offseason.
2: Yeah, and, and kind of the way I think about it in my head is, you know, if you, if you imagine That you know, all thirty teams are listed in you know one through thirty, and X out next to each team is a status bar, and the status bar is essentially how complete is your team. When the off season started, the Braves' status bar was almost all green, right? Like they they are as complete a team at the beginning of the off season as basically any team in baseball, and all these other teams that are making all these moves, you know, were a fraction of that status bar was filled up, and so. They, those other teams have to make these moves just to get up to where the Braves are. I was actually looking at the depth charts on FanGraphs just to see how they, how they uh, rank all the teams just as we sit here today, and as we as we sit here right now today, the number one team in FanGraphs projected WAR for 2023 is the Atlanta Braves at 50.7. Uh, the Padres are next. The Yankees are after that. So. You know, it's some it's just some some perspective, right? Some context. Like these teams had to make these moves. I mean, the Mets lost half their roster. The half the Mets roster was a free agent this offseason. The Phillies were an 87-win team last year. Yeah, they got hot, but like they had things they had to get done to just be at the Braves level. The Mets had to get things done just to get back to where they were last year. And they're start they're pro they're probably still not there. So you know. It is important to keep it in perspective that this team, the Braves team, is almost almost complete before the offseason started. It's not complete. There's still things they need to do, but it was as complete a team at the beginning of the winter as, as maybe Alex has ever had, uh, especially more than last year when obviously Freddie Freeman was a free agent and, and one of the biggest, you know, that, that move represented a massive you know, level of talent in terms of the roster. So it was, it was a gaping hole and shortstop is a big hole, but, you know, Dansby on his true talent level is probably, you know, probably the fifth or sixth or seventh best player on the team, quite honestly, just on pure talent. And so, yeah, you need to replace him and you need to fill that hole somewhere, but it's not like replacing Freddie Freeman. It's not like replacing Acuna or even Austin Riley. I would honestly put Austin Riley above, Swanson at this point. So, you know, the Braves are a really, really good team. As we sit here today, they're according to fan graphs, they're the best team in baseball. they, they have as much projected war going into next year as anybody. So, you know, I don't know if I would put them at one, but I would put them in the top five. And so, you know, I would just tell fans, I get it. I get the frustration that nothing's happened, but keep it in perspective. It's not about winning in December and in, in January, that's what, you know, usually teams that win the off season don't do much in the regular season. It's about having the most talent when the season starts. And the Braves have, as I sit here today, just almost as much talent as anyone before they've even done anything. So the Braves are in a fantastic spot, fantastic spot where they don't have to make major moves to just be as good as they were last year. They can be selective and be, you you know they could be deliberate, and so it's frustrating. But you know, keep it in perspective.
1: Yeah, talking about the shortstop spot, I think you and I were one of the first ones to actually talk, float this idea. I mean, for a lot of the, a uh, lot of the see, regular season, and then uh, you know, at the right at the end of the season, you know, a lot of people uh, thought maybe Trey Turner, maybe Carlos Correa, um, but I think you and I were the first ones that that I heard that kind of mentioned, you know, maybe uh going small at shortstop and then you know upgrading left field um Mark Bowman mentioned Elvis Andrus today um you know it's I I like I respect I like Mark a lot I like his point of view and I think he's he's usually really close to the team in a lot of ways that um you know some of the things he'll say you know they've got a pretty good chance of happening but he doesn't think Grissom's going to be ready he thinks Orlando Arcia is better in that reserve role, which is something you and I have talked about too. I think the longer you play Arcia, um, I think the more he gets exposed at the plate. He had a nice season last year, but I think it was because you know he didn't. He it was um, the way he was used more or less. You know, I mean, he had a couple of stints as the every, as an everyday player, but you know, he saw a lot of time action off the bench too. Um, you know, I think there's some merit to that. Um, you know, Andrews, I was looking at him. Andrews had a good year last year. Um, uh, but the offense has been really inconsistent. He was 105 weighted runs created plus last year. I mean, he's been in the 70s the the year, two or three years before that. Uh, but the defense has been good. And I do wonder a little bit that if we, you know, if we get a long ways out into this process, um, the Braves may actually think that they've got enough offense in other areas of the lineup to just cover a defensive player. Um, especially and in, 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 you know, and I, I know I think they've still got high hopes for Von Grissom. You know, I think the jury's out whether he can actually play shortstop. He's working with Ron Washington this, this off season. Uh, so take from that what you will, but you know, I think it's a stretch to see Von Grissom on opening day. It could still happen. You know, he could win the job and, in um uh, in spring training, uh, but I think it'd be interesting to see when they, when they pivot, um, if they go get a veteran, a Jose Iglesias and Elvis Andrus or somebody else. And I know that's not going to make a lot of people happy, but you know, you, you ink one of those guys up for a, a one year deal and, um, you know, and it buys you time and you can see what you've got in Grissom. I think it makes a lot of sense in, in, in some areas, if you're able to upgrade in left field.
2: So what I would always tell people is listen to what Mark Bowman says, because Mark Bowman does not just tweet his opinion. He tweets what he hears and he doesn't always he doesn't always say it like that. He's not he doesn't always, you know, phrase it as a report, but he tweets what he hears. And when he says with, you know, with no ambiguity that Vaughn Grissom is not ready to be a major league shortstop and that Orlando Arcia is best suited for a backup role, um, then that's what he's hearing. That's, 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 he's heard that from somebody in the organization. And, and that makes sense because that's what we've been saying for the whole off season. Like they might be saying this stuff publicly that they're okay with Grissom playing short and they're okay with Garcia starting at shortstop. They're not they're not okay with that. They're they're. It, this is what you say when you have to get a certain narrative out there. I don't think anybody who's associated with the team actually thinks that they're okay with Orlando Arcia or Von Grissom as the starting shortstop. And, you know, the other thing Bowman said today was the key to this strategy is, is using what you save and going cheaper at shortstop to try to get a bigger left fielder. And that's, of course, what you and I talked about, you know, probably a month ago now. Um, about, you know, flipping kind of the the traditional what you're thinking of the Braves are going to do kind of on its head and, and going the other way, where you go bigger and left and smaller and short. Now, obviously, fans are going to say, well, there's not that many big names in left field to go get at this point. And that's true. There really isn't, especially on the free agent market. But, you know, I do think Brian Reynolds is a name to, to keep in mind. I think we're going to talk about him in a little bit, but. Um, also, by the way, I don't know if you're tracking this stuff happening on Twitter, but the Braves just made a trade of some sort. Yes, the Braves traded for a reliever, and they traded Justin Henry Malloy. Wow, interesting. Sorry, we are. this is literally a live reaction as it's happening. But the Braves traded for Joe Jimenez of the Tigers and traded away Justin Henry Malloy. Interesting our minor league guys are going to be upset about that because they all love Justin Henry Malloy.
1: Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Um, You know, I'll have to have to kind of, obviously we'll have to kind of get our wrap our head around that because this is like breaking news here. Uh, There's there's the press press release that, um, you know, we were looking. um,
2: Yeah. That's um, a, that's a weird one,
1: but um, you know, just to, just to talk about it before we go to break here, you know, I, It's a little surprising to see Malloy. uh, I think named there for a a, for a relief pitcher, but I think there's also real question about where Malloy might be able to play defensively, defensive wise. Um, You know, he may he may end up being just a DH or whatever. So, um, you know, it's a little surprising there, but uh, there's one of your there's one of your moves. Um, Yeah, that's
2: the first kind of. I don't know. I don't know how big it is. Uh, you know, it's a relief pitcher, but, you know, relief pitchers are important. So it's not small.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, I tell you what, let's take our last break here, and then we'll come back and uh, knock out a, at least last couple of points and get out of here. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. Okay, yeah, just some breaking news. Uh, obviously, uh, the Braves just traded, um, just to recap it, they uh, traded Justin Henry Malloy and Jake Higginbotham to the uh, Detroit Tigers for – um joe Jimenez, um you know not bad uh, i mean on the on the surface it's a little surprising uh, malloy was thought to be well i guess he was their top prospect as a position player uh at this point but Jimenez was really good last year i think he's a rental one year on the last year of his deal um averaged more than 12 strikeouts per nine uh, Kenley Jansen, of course, signed with the Boston Red Sox, uh, today for a two year deal. So he was coming out of that bullpen. So, you know, I don't think it's terribly surprising. We've seen them, you know, they put a lot of stock in that bullpen. They like to go get, um, they like to go get people and, um, you know, bring them, uh, bring in that bullpen and really, uh, build up that back half. So, you know, I think it's surprising to see Malloy in or involved in it, but, uh, you know, it, uh. At the, same, at the end of the day, though, it may not be that surprising.
2: Yeah, it's um, – you know, the Braves are – if you're going to pinpoint one thing that's been consistent with their success of the last couple of years, it's been a really strong bullpen. And that won them – went a long way to winning them the uh, World Series in 2021. And that was – you know, that was definitely a, an, an interesting question coming into this offseason was – losing Jansen you know they traded away Will Smith Tyler Matzik is down for the all of 2023 Kirby Yates is still a question mark would they add you know would they add relievers and they've already added obviously they just traded for Joe Jimenez and now they um are in and then early in the offseason they had a couple of guys Nick Anderson and Dennis Santana I think were the two names that they added earlier so clearly that's something they're interested in I think Justin Henry Malloy was definitely a guy that um you know, fans probably valued more than the team did. He, he he seemed, you know, kind of a left field DH types in terms of defense. And, you know, I don't know how much the team was interested in keeping him around just for that. He was a high on base guy, which is why a lot of people liked him and why he might have fit better on this team. Just because we don't have, Braves don't have a ton of high on base guys, but. Um, yeah, just live reactions. I, you know, little recording as it happens. I'm surprised they included Malloy for a guy who's a, a one year rental and a reliever. But you know, obviously they really like Jimenez. I will say Jimenez is his profile is pretty absurd. He throws hard. He's he averaged about 96 miles an hour on his fastball, which means he's probably regularly throwing 97, 98, 99. Um, you know, he strikes out a ton of guys. He doesn't walk a bunch. So really, all you can ask for. But yeah, that was live recording. That was, that was surprising. I did see that one coming.
1: No, um, I'll tell you what, you know, we're, we gotta, we're going to finish this thing up and then we'll have some stuff up on the site uh, uh, shortly about, about the deal. But, uh, you know, I was just about to say, um, that it's kind of feels like the season that maybe they, maybe they make some trades instead of just yeah. filling, uh, uh, you know, trying to fill the roster out free agency. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously, you mentioned Brian Reynolds. We were talking about left field, going big in left field. Brian Reynolds would probably be the biggest. It's going to come with a high price tag. Reynolds, of course, uh, uh, asked for asked Pittsburgh for a trade. Pittsburgh came right back out and uh, pretty much said that, you know, acknowledged his request, but said that you know it wasn't going to change their plans because, I mean, what else are they going to do? Say really, Um, you know, it's not going to. They're not going to be in a situation where they have to trade him. you know, so I thought it was a weird, weird situation. Um, the price tag would be high, and obviously, I, I just saw a tweet from uh, Carlos Colazzo, Baseball America. Now that Malloy's gone, uh, the Braves are not going to have a are not going to have a um, um, position player in their top ten uh, prospect list at, at Baseball America. Um, you know, I think the Braves have some pitchers. They could get Brian Reynolds if they needed to. Uh, it might cost you. Uh, there's been some debate on the side, actually. I don't know if you've seen it, but, uh, you know, a lot of people think that they'd have to take a, a major league rotation piece like Kyle Wright to get, uh, Brian Reynolds. I don't think that, uh, I think the pirates would be looking more for those minor league guys. Um, you know, I'm thinking, uh, some package around possibly Darius Vines, Jared Schuster, um, Kyle Muller, Bryce Elder, you know, some some combination there. Maybe a couple of, maybe some of the guys that are, are um, farther away uh, that came in this past draft. I don't know. You know, I hate speculating about trades, but I don't. I don't get the sense that you know Pittsburgh's going to say, uh, you know, we're not going to talk to you unless you uh, get Kyle right, Because I think with them, they need to be cro- uh, cost controlled in a lot of ways. So. Um, you know, what do you think about a, a potential Brian Reynolds trade? Do you think Pittsburgh will trade him? And if so, do you th- what do you think the price tag is going to be?
2: Well, one of those questions is a very easy to answer. The price tag is going to be absurdly high uh, because a lot of teams are probably looking at the free agent market. There's not a lot of outfielders left, especially impact guys. You know, after after Brandon Nemo signs and and Andrew Benatendi, you know, after that there's not a ton out there in terms of impact and so you know the Pirates can use the fact that prices have been so high for free agents as a way of of parlaying that into you know a lot of value for Reynolds and so the, the price will be high I mean I don't see how the Braves could get out away especially now that they've traded their basically their best position player prospect for a reliever I don't see how they could get away with trading for him without including either Grissom or Contreras and then some of those minor league pitchers that you were talking about Um, but it would be a fantastic move for me Uh, you know three years of team control and obviously the Braves would probably try to immediately lock him up like they have so many of the other guys yeah you don't have a ton of left in the system but I mean right field would be locked up center field would be locked up left field would be locked up third base would be locked up second base would be locked up first base would be locked up I mean yeah you don't have a ton of position player depth in the minors but you don't need a ton of position player depth when you have, you know, damn near the entire position player group locked up for however many years. So I would love it. I think it's, it would kind of represent the big move for Alex this off season, you know, and a way to do it without having to spend a, just a ungodly amount of money, which is kind of what you have to do right now, if you want to get a free agent. So, but it all just depends on what Pittsburgh wants. I mean, maybe they want Grissom and Contreras, right? Maybe that's what they asked for and, you know, If that's what the price is, can you in good faith green light a trade like that? I mean, I I would get, I would get why Alex would say no to something like that. So it all comes down to what Pittsburgh's going to ask for. And they're going to ask for a ton because they don't have to trade them. I mean, you know, trade requests don't work in baseball the way they work in other sports. There's just too much team control and you know teams have all the leverage in these situations and so you're not gonna you, you really can't force your way out of a team the way you can in like the nba it just doesn't work that way in major league baseball so but if they put them on the market if they were serious about trading them i would hope alex would be all in and trying to get him because i do think he would be a massive massive impact player and it would represent you know the the major part of their offseason. they really wouldn't have to do a whole lot after that they could get just some glove to play shortstop and bat him ninth and and you'd probably be fine with that so uh, i'd be all for it I'd, I'd come on here and tell you you know i love the move and unless it was just some ridiculous overpay which i don't see alex doing um then i'm i'm all for it
1: yeah i like it too um i'm not real confident it's gonna happen i'm not yeah. i'm not 100 sure if uh if the pirates will move him and and then there's a possibility always that there's just going to be so many teams in on him uh, that they find a pra- package that they like better. Um, I didn't mention Contreras, but just because I think, you know, the Pirates have, I think, a couple of, of pretty good prospects and catchers. Yeah. Um, it just seems like a, a weird fit there. You know, possibly they would ask for Grissom. Uh, but, you know, I think it's still starting pitching is still their their um, their biggest need at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, You know, another thing is since you mentioned Contreras, and and this will kind of wrap us up, um, Alex. You know, when Alex the meetings were starting, Alex talked about this catcher situation. You know, we've kind of been thinking that they would drop Pena at some point. He's making four and a half million. You've got three guys there, and Darno Contreras and 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 Manny Pena. Um, But Alex said he he was pretty happy with their situation, and uh, you know, obviously we know two years ago uh, what it's like to not have any catcher depth. Um, I do think it's in it. I do think there's still a chance that once they get to, uh, spring training, if a team in need comes calling, uh, they could go, uh, they could trade Pena then, uh, but there's been some talk and this was Mark Bowman again, you know, he speculated a couple of times this off season that, you know, to make a, an impact move, uh, they might have to move Contreras, um, I'm not 100% sure how I, I feel about that at this point, just because you know it was a couple of years ago. You had Shea Langoliers and you had William Contreras. It looked like you you know catcher position was in good shape for a, a long haul. If you trade Contreras now, then you're you know it's kind of barren behind Darno and uh, and Pena. Um, obviously, that's not a that's not a, a deal breaker in any way. I mean, you can retool. Down the road, it would just depend on what the return is. But you know, what do you think? Are you buying that? Do you think they'll go into the season with three catchers, or do you think, um, you know, do you think at some point we're going to drop one of these guys?
2: I think they're going to drop one at some point. I I know what they've said, but again, you know, talk is when teams don't tell you what they're really thinking. You know, especially this time of year, and Alex saying it doesn't make me believe it any more than if he hadn't said it, honestly. So I just don't know that you're, I don't know that it's worth it. The only way I could see is if they did just drop Ozuna and then you could kind of really tell yourself that it's not three catchers. It's, you know, it's three catchers and a DH, essentially, you know, three guys representing two different roles. But if Ozuna is going to be on the team and we haven't seen any evidence to this point that he's not, then what are you going to carry three catchers for? I mean, Azuna's going to play. You know you know, Snitker's going to play him. And so I, I would be surprised. I did not think Contreras was an actual trade trip until Bowman said it like two separate occasions, which was definitely eye-raising to me. Because again, Bowman doesn't just say stuff. He hears stuff and then he repeats it. And so if he's heard that from someone that they would consider moving Contreras in the right deal, and that's surprising because I think Contreras is the best of the bunch. But you know, if you think you can get value for him, if you're worried about how the defense is going to age, then you know I'm I'm okay with trading any player as long as there's you know uh, enough value on the other side. So um, so that'll be interesting. Catchers, we've said this all all offseason, but catchers a uh, an interesting spot just because they have these three guys and and typically you only carry two, but the DH changes that. You know, having to carry thirteen position players changes that. So, who knows? Could be dead wrong. They could absolutely carry three and and be perfectly fine with it, and they would have the best catching situation in baseball um, if they did that. So, it's definitely a strength. It's not something you have to deal away, but it is it is a very interesting. Uh, it was very noteworthy to me that that Bowman mentioned multiple times that Contreras could be a legitimate trade chip.
1: I think if they all three do stay stick around, that. um you know, there's a good chance we're going to see William, a lot of William Contreras at DH. Yeah. And, um, you know, for that to happen, then I feel like we're going to have to – they're going to have to move either uh, Ozuna or Eddie Rosario yeah. or both at yeah. some point. So, you know, it's a, it's a little hard to speculate now. Um, you know, it's – like I said, it would be hard to watch after – especially after the season that Contreras had last year, it would be hard to 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 see him on, uh, on the move. But, you know, again, if he's going – then I'm thinking Brian Reynolds, I'm thinking Willie Adamas, you know, I don't think it's I uh, um, I don't think it's going to be, you know, for a, a lesser player. I think it will be a name, a name player. So yeah. it'll be interesting. Um, uh, well, uh, you know, that was a pretty eventful episode. Uh, do you have anything else you want to get to?
2: No, I'm just refresh intruder just to make sure we're not going to, catch another live one here um but um no that's you know it's interesting to see i know there's going to be a lot of reaction people were especially you know kind of the local fan base was really high on malloy uh just because and not just fan i mean to be fair baseball i think baseball america had him like sixth on our yeah top 10 so he was a highly regarded prospect that they just traded for a you know a one-year rental at reliever so that's definitely a bold move um it's not something I would probably typically do, but hey, again, Alex has earned the benefit of the doubt. And I, I hope people get that. I hope people believe that because he has. I mean, he he's been one of the best executives in all of baseball ever since since the day he showed up. And so I trust Alex. I don't typically just blindly put my trust in in executives, but Alex has earned that. And so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt until we see the entire entire plan at work and see what he's got for the rest of the offseason. season. I'm happy to wait. And, you know, I trust, I trust his judgment at this point.
1: I agree. I agree with all that. All right. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back next week. Um, keep, stay tuned to the, um, to the podcast feed. Um, we appreciate it and we'll see you again next
0: week. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself,